This is the Championship Club Podcast, the show that shines a light on English rugby's second flight. Join us every fortnight and check us out on the socials at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Club Podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at NovusMarketingSolutions.com. Well, it's been a little while. It's, uh, it's nice to be back. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm uh, becoming a little bit of a stranger around these parts these days, so it's nice to see your, your big smiley face again, mate. Mate, it looks massive on this screen as well, shit. Um, yeah, it's good to see you like a boomerang, mate, aren't you? You just keep coming back. <laughs> no, it's good to have you back on, as always, um, and good to see you. Um, got a bit to get into, haven't we, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, well, it's all over. It's, it's like that's another champ season. Bites the dust. It, it seems a bit weird, doesn't it, that it's just like there's so much like excitement around it for four four weeks leading into the end of the season, and then it's it's just gone, <laughs> done. We're in like such a weird stage because obviously, and we did we did the piece around it. it was the last time I was on, obviously with the you know the the failure of the, the or the, the the rejection of the bids, and then the, the one of the hotly most hotly contested races for the for the league in so long. And, you know, it, it went right down to the wire. Um, but, yeah, that it, it does also feel like five minutes since it started. I think probably indicative of the fact that we've, we have got the Championship Cup to come. And uh, let, let's be respectful to that competition. It's a new competition. And I think there'll be a lot of sides out there with it wanting for the first time in a long time to have won some silverware. I mean, look at Championship sides. You take out the, the promoted teams of recent years, your Amtils, your Hartbury's. And so on. There's not, you know, the sides that have been in the league, the mainstays in this league, a lot of them haven't won a piece of silverware in a long time. And that's, you know, that's, you, you played the game. I played at a much fucking lower standard. You, you want to win things. So, yeah, you know, let's see what the cup brings. Yeah, it's the cup is, yeah, like you say, opportunity for silverware. I mean, I, looking at my career, I, I won one trophy and it was the majority of it was in the championship. And that was with, with Pirates in, Shit, I'm gonna have to say how long ago it was. It was a while ago, <laughs> but we won we won the cup, and then like we made a couple of champ finals, so I got some runner-up medals. But yeah, as a championship player, you don't get many opportunities to win any silverware because normally you have a a prem team in the in the league uh, that would run away with it or or win a champ final. And you know, this year was slightly different with the hot, you know, how contested it was. So yeah, it's um. It's it's a tough grind to win any win anything tangible within the league, uh, but like you say, the cup is new. Hopefully, it goes all right, and hopefully, the supporters come out to to watch it, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like you say, we have to be respectful for it. We can't tar it with a similar brush that the Prem Cup gets tarred with because we haven't seen it yet. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's a positive thing for the league and for other opportunities for players to to get a run that maybe didn't get a run in the league league so much this year and. But then, honestly, though, mate, you've got to look at squads and squad depth. And when the league was announced, was the cup in players' contracts? There's that side of things that maybe we've not even touched on. And I know there's murmurings around the league that you know it's however long this cup goes on for. I'm not I can't remember now, but it's it's a tricky one for clubs to navigate with with such small squads, and it, they can't dip into that one because that season's still going. And you know where 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 can they just bolster their squad from? It's uh, It'd be a tricky one for the DORs, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly will. And uh, I think it's fair to say that on this podcast, we will cover 
the cup in one form or another, uh, whether it's on the socials or whether it's on the episodes, but we'll be across it certainly as it advances to the later stage. Um, but let's jump into it. Let, let's get to the season. And I think it would be rude and remiss to go any further um, without congratulating Ealing Trailfinders. They, they were hot favourites to win the league this season, but being hot favourites and actually delivering are, are two very different things. Um, we're going to have Ben Ward join us on the show a little while later and we will dive into this season and what might come next for the Trailfinders. But let's be honest, have an achievement. Well done, Ealing. Yeah, mate, I think it's, it's it's an outstanding year. I think, like you say, you go right back to the start of the year and they were red hot favourites after after the COVID year. And they, well, they delivered just. <laughs> but that's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a credit to the the rest of the league, really, isn't it? It's uh, It's been really, really tight, especially towards the top. And I think Elin, I think come unstuck, they just came up against good, good fucking rugby teams that turned them over. I mean, Donny did them twice, didn't they? So it's, it's a, uh, it was, a, it was a, it was a great running, and but you have to congr- congratulate Ealing because they were, they were the best team in the league, and the, the league never lies. I know there's the bonus point conversations, but, <laughs> but they, you know they, you know they were the best team in the league this year, and and rightly won the league, and fair play to everyone down there. Yeah, like I said, we will be joined with, uh, with, with, by Ben Ward, Director of Rugby at Ealing Trailfinders, in a little while. So we'll delve into this story and give um, that team's incredible achievement a bit more coverage later on. Um, but whilst I'm with you and on this little prelude to the, you know, the, uh, the aperture to the, the, the main course of today's show, we're going to run through the sort of uh, a bit of a recap of the season and uh, maybe assess how some sides got on, if they sit where we expected them to and, uh, and, and what we thought. And, uh, you know, moving chronologically down the league in second place, Doncaster Knights, obviously a side that I'm still very close to and, uh, Worked for, for for an awful long time, and I, I think fair to say, cracking achievement once again by Steve Bowden's uh, Steve Bowden's charges. Had a great season last year, finishing third behind Ealing and Saracens. I think maybe a bit of a surprise package last year. Um, expected to do better this time, but I think even so, most people would have probably had Pirates, possibly Jersey, possibly Cobb ahead of them, um, but delivered unbeaten at home this season, as you mentioned. Did Ealing home and away, not lost at Castle Park. Sorry, sorry, lost once at Castle Park since March 2020, and that was to a Saracen side with Itoji, Farrell, George, Daly, like seven internationals in. That's the only side that beat them in Castle Park in over two years. So fair play to the lads um, up north. Uh, made it difficult, obviously made sure that Ealing had to go and get the win on the final day with a bonus point at Nottingham on the Friday night. Um, yeah, another another cracking achievement and some, uh, some really promising young lads coming through there. Donny, I don't know inside secrets, but wouldn't be surprised if um, there's a premiership contract coming for one or two of them because some lads have had some really really exceptional seasons at, um, at the castle. Yeah, I think um, I think Bode has to take a lot of credit for that and his coaching staff because you know it was. I mean, they've had a hell of a year, but they've had to restructure things, obviously with cuts and and finances, as everyone has in the league. But what he's created there is a a group of group of players that will will die for the shirt and you know put it out there. But they've also got some quality in there, haven't they? And I think. You know, to name a couple, you know, he's been smart with his signings. He's given Edson, George, George Edson, another shot up there, and he's gone great from this year. And, you know, fair play to him. And then a smart one that I'm really pleased for, so I know him quite well, is John Kelly and, and JK. I think he's had an outstanding year, and he's a, he's a big lump 
needed needed that professional environment to to really kick his career on. And you know, fair play to him. I mean, he is a cannon off the field, but we like them. <laughs> we do <laughs> but, like them. <laughs> You know, Billy McBride at the back. You know, it's um, there's some quality within within a team that's very tight knit, and you know, and to nearly win it. I mean, they'll all be very proud of their season, but I'm sure there's a few what ifs. But you know, they, they've snuck a few wins as well when maybe people thought they shouldn't have. So, you know, they've they've stuck in there, and that's you know, it is a great achievement, and it's hopefully see where they can go from from here. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent, and and you're completely right. And I think if we got Bodes on this show, we'd be the first one to say, you know, we could have lost half of them. You know what I mean? I think that was it, like ten, eleven at Hartbury, um, Amptill when Spittal went the length, having you know they were basically fighting a defending line out to stop, you know, to keep themselves within a bonus point turnover in their own twenty-two, and Spitz goes the length. Um, but yeah, they seems to have got a, well. Obviously, I was, I was part of it up until recently, and saw a few Snapchats from last weekend of the uh, of the end of season do and uh, <laughs> Super Saturday, Super Sunday, Man Monday, and the rest of it. And the lads seem to have enjoyed themselves. So up the nights, well, well done. Um, moving into sort of the the rest of the top four, and like interestingly, I, I guess it's kind of maybe what we'd have expected. We talk a lot on this show of sort of how there's different models in the league. And only a handful of sides are now still part-time. If you look at that top four, I think many would have said Ealing would be probably your number one shot. And then I think a group of Donny, Pirates, Jersey, and probably Cov. Yeah. So Pirates and Jersey, kind of as you would expected, two extremely difficult to go sides to go to, two extremely well-coached sides. And uh, two sides, of course, that remained full-time. Is, is that kind of where you saw and without wanting to be down on Cobb, obviously a club that I know you're very close to, um, do you think they'll be maybe a little bit disappointed with how they finished up eight place in it, a finish for, for, for Cobb this time? Yeah, well, I think it was their, was it their away record that was that cost Cobb, wasn't it? I think they only won their first away game um, two games out from the end of the season or three games out, something like that. So that's cost them. And like you say, being a full-time team, you have to... You have to, well, you expect at the start of the year for that team to be at least a top six team. So I imagine, you know, they'll be disappointed up there. They did have a high turnover of player, uh, new coaches come in. There's, you know, there's, there's always reasons for it. But I think, yeah, they'll be disappointed in the season for sure. Um, positively for those guys is they've had, they've had good crowds all season and it's been going well off the field for them. So, you know, they've had positives, positives that way. But on the field, I think they'll be slightly disappointed, but know that they've got an opportunity to kick on with a young group of players next season. Although losing losing Buzz is going to be a hell of a loss to Coventry because he is still, alongside Bright, uh, one of the best eights in the league and possibly one of the best eights the champs ever seen. So that's a huge loss to them in terms of his playing ability, but also his leadership. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where they go uh, next season. But yeah, yeah, slightly disappointing year for Cov. But like I said, the other two, Pirates and Jersey. I mean, Pirates are in the race with two games to go. So, you know, they've maybe run out of steam a little bit or just come up against better teams. So that, that happens. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good season to finish third. Seven points off Ealing. You know, it's only, it's only two wins, isn't it? So it's a great year for them. And Jersey were in it for a little while. Um, and, you know, fourth position, positive for those guys as well. I think they'd be pretty happy. But again, I think those two teams will be also thinking maybe a lost opportunity to have won it as well because they've had games where they've, they possibly could have 
one that they haven't and you know they may be looking at that going uh, if that we would have got that and win now or picked up a bonus point here then maybe things could have been different but you know a good year for both teams really fair play to them yeah and uh all contributed to as we say scintillating their end of season mm. running um and the table's kind of segmented into three way into three sections. We ran through the sort of the top four. There was then this sort of mid div, which basically started at Bedford in fifth and ran down to to Richmond really in ninth. Uh, Fifty points. Bedford finished on nineteen points behind Jersey, so sort of a clear separation between the top four and the chasing pack. And then obviously Richmond on forty two, so only eight points separating that that middle chunk of the division. Um, and and look, do you know what? There's there's interesting stories from all of these sides. Uh, final final game of the season, we saw Amtel draw 28-0 with Pirates. Hell of a result. We know we they beat them last year in a, a well, arguably one of Amtel Rugby Club's biggest results in the in the club's history. And you could maybe argue that Pirates had played their cup final against Dealing the week before. But you know, it just goes to show the strength across the, across the league to get that 28-0 draw there. Bedford, like you kind of get a little bit tired of saying this and maybe because we we obviously speak to our, our uh, co-host partner Gareth Allred quite a lot when they're good they're very very good but when they're bad they're, they're just a bit off the mark aren't they you know their their, their victory uh, comprehensively beat Doncaster down at Goldington Road uh, back in sort of October I think my last away game with the club and they, they were electric that night and you see some other results that they turned in you're just like what's gone on and obviously we have our, our regroup on a Sunday night and Hear from Gareth and the team. It's just one of those, isn't it? They, they, they uh, like yeah. the French used to be almost enigm- enigmatic. Yeah, the well, they, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you know. We we speak to Gareth, but he's he's obviously not on the playing side. So it's they've had their new relationship with Saints. They do have players coming in and out. Is it something to do with the those guys settling in and, and getting used to to that? Maybe, maybe not. Or are they just? one of those teams that will always be a bit erratic. Um, like you say, the, the Donny win, and they, they beat Ealing away as well, didn't they? I mean, that's... Yeah. I, think, I, think I, I think I tweeted at the time. I think, I think that's possibly one of Bedford's greatest away wins in the championship for, well, for certainly for a while. I can't personally remember a bigger one um, off the top of my head, but it was... Yeah, I mean, putting in those two two performances and then, you know, slipping up a week later or whatever it's uh it was supposed to be a frustrating time for a bedford blues fan because they see all that potential and uh and, you know those big wins but i mean we have to we have to mention we did mention it in the last time like mikey's got up 500 games as well mike raya so i mean that's that's an unbelievable achievement in in the modern in a modern day game so congratulations to mike but i think six weeks out from the season I you know Bedford Blues players were quite active on on socials getting stuck into the playing group and the and the coaching side and you know in the end of the day they finished fifth and you know that's a good season like we said for a for a, a part-time team mm, yeah definitely mm. um and obviously directly beneath they were mentioned Amtil sixth place in the championship I think they're, they're a club that are just continuing to build obviously with Charlie Beckett on the show this season thought he spoke exceptionally well we've had labs on in the past um uh, and yes i think sixth place very very respectable finish and a serious platform for for those guys to build on my seventh place go on sorry just on just on amtel i think if you just go if you just glance at the league and you see amtel in sixth you think fucking hell that's a hell of a season i mean you know that's their first full-time full year in the in the league um, and I think that's that's a really really good achievement for those guys. Um, 
at, at the mob with with Lav and Tommy and what they're doing. So, you know, credit credit to those guys, and I think it's a great achievement finishing sixth in their first proper season. Hartbury, I'll give you my thoughts on Hartbury now. I I, I honestly thought at times of like Hartbury are dangerous, like they have got it together this season. Like look at some of the players they brought in. Um, Jack Tovey, obviously Bristol and Ealing, the Foley brothers, we had Charlie with us um, at Doncaster, one of the mainstays in the side, went well this year. Jane, um, James Williams, who obviously just signed for Bristol. And you and then like some of their early season form, you thought Hartbury could be the real deal here. Obviously, a side that have got better year on year on year. Mm. And kind of just lost the wind out of it a little bit towards the end. And then they just kind of burnt out. Um, again, probably a side that maybe the opposite of Doncaster, got on the wrong end of some of those games that they should have won. You know, like came very, very close in some high-scoring games, but wrong side of the scoreline. But seventh place, but I'd argue maybe that is a position that they, A, not be that happy with, and B, are maybe a better side than seventh suggests. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. They they absolutely ruined me on my predictions. Because uh, cause they, <laughs> they were going great, weren't they? And they, they slipped up towards the end of the season. And, you know, they could have quite, I think at one stage quite comfortably been in, in fifth position, but then, but then they didn't. And like you say, I don't know if like their models a strange model because obviously they've got guys in, in, in the student side of things, but the guys that come in and sign there, I know, I think the schedule's pretty tough as that played a part. I know they do an early session three, a couple of times a week, you know, and that's, as that played a part in their sort of drop off towards the end of season, Maybe, <laughs> you know, it's like we every team juggles it differently, don't they? If you're not full time, you have, don't really have an excuse. I mean, if you are full time, you don't really have an excuse for that. But if you if you are semi professional and you are juggling people's strength and conditioning programs and you know life and all that, so it, it could play a part in what why they dropped off towards the end of the season. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe I'm talking out my ass, but it's. <laughs> That's, that's why we started a podcast club. <laughs> We've been doing it for over a year now and no one stopped us. So uh, there yeah. we go. Um, obviously, talked about Coventry. Um, let, let's see how those guys bounce back next season. The other side in this middle group is Richmond. Um, and ninth place finished. There was quite clear separation between Richmond and the bottom two sides, Nottingham, London, Scottish. Um, I, I think that's got to go down as a solid achievement. I think probably of the part-time teams, Richmond are probably one of the most part-time yeah. Um, and and let's let's just reflect back on it. I know you, you touched on it briefly. Also, we're talking about Buzz retiring, and there's no suggestion. I don't believe that Bright is retiring. Sorry if I missed anything, but no. 200 championship games and 100 championship tries, and the top championship league point uh, try scorer at the tender age of, I'm not going to embarrass myself or Mark by saying it, but uh, you think it's north of 40, isn't it? So. Uh, <laughs> Mate, he's 43, so he's two years older than me, three years older than me. <laughs> but I can't get my head around it. I don't know how he's doing it, I think. And like, it's not, no, no offence to Richmond, because I say I think they've had a cracking season. I think, you know, anyone that goes there knows how, how well and committed they are. And they've, they've, you know, they've picked up five fantastic wins this year. Um, but it's not like he scored, was it 17 tries in a side that are top of the league? And humping teams, he's got that many tries, and aside that third bottom, it's it just phenomenal. Like yeah. fair play, Mark Bright, what an absolute championship yeah. battler! Like credit to you, inspirational yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's 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 some bloke, and he's it's the fact that he's still one of the best players on the pitch as well. He's not like you know like just lumping around and you know just 
taking it easy. I mean, he performs as a number eight should. And like I said earlier about Buzz, I mean, Mark's got to be one of the, the top eights the league's ever seen. Um, so yeah, he's he's a phenomenon really. And they've got they've got a good coaching group there as well. It's uh, I like you say, I think it's a good a, a good achievement for them. They were there, I think they could have finished a bit higher, obviously, but you know, it's. I think fair play. Uh, it's a great place to go as well, isn't it? It's lo- I love going to Richmond. And uh, also, there's one other. I've got to give a shout out to Ronnie Ronnie McLean, who's an ex Kofskin. So <laughs> he retired as well. He's a bit younger than me, but um, you know, shout out to him. He's had a stellar career as well. And uh, fair fair play to him for his career. But yeah, like Richmond. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, no, um, not a bad season at all down at the Athletic Ground. Well, not for them anyway. Now we're getting to the bottom two. Nottingham and London Scottish, and we all know that you've got a, a real bias against London Scottish, and that you just clearly don't like them, and uh, you you, uh, you never pick them in the. And it's it's an all com- complete conspiracy, Ben Gulliver against uh, London Scottish. But look, a, a tricky season as we expected for the Exiles. Um, they they did end up uh, finishing bottom with just um, eleven points. Nottingham thirty points. Um, considerably ahead, um, but two sides that were cut adrift. But I think two sides at the start of the season knew we're going to be up against challenges. Obviously, two, London Scottish having had the, t- the year out of the league, full year not playing rugby, coming back into it. And, of course, Nottingham still adapting to a very, very different model. Um, and, you know, have got through the season one piece, have been competitive at times. I remember watching London Scottish up at Castle Park and, like, 50 minutes, I thought, this could, this could, end, up, uh, this could end up going either way and then just sort of uh, fell apart just with, uh, with, with, as the game went into its last quarter. Um, so, I think... No embarrassment for either of those two sides, um, and possibly would have maybe if you were like looking at a predictions table trying to pick you one to eleven at the start of the season might have been most people's choice for a bottom two. Uh, tell me if that's unfair, but um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, the, the not I think the Nottingham one. I think you know with Hamo going in this season and a complete change of model and direction for the club. I think I think they've, they've put some good. Um, Good foundations in for the club moving forward there, so I think they'll be they'll be pretty buoyant. Although looking at the table, it doesn't read great. I think they'll be pretty buoyant in some of their performances, and then also their relationships they get with, with certain Premiership clubs. So I think not knots knots can be looked forward with with a bit of positivity. London Scottish, I think you would you know be going to be fair. I don't think I can be. <laughs> I mean, you, you you can have an excuse of being out of the league for the first part of the season, but then you've been in it for half a year. You've got to be a better. You've got to do better than they have. Um, I don't mind saying it because I've got no attachment to anybody in the league, really. But it's there's something something not going right there. Um, and yeah, I know I know. Towards the end of the season, they had a lot of Quinns players dropping in on Thursday nights and ousting players that are contracted. So this. There's a bit more to it than just you know losing games and being out of the league for the year. I think there's a bit more going on at Scottish that maybe we could get into over the summer. But if they have got this new official link with Quinns, then well, that's positive, isn't it? So that's good for them. But as a year, it's a shocker. I mean, winning one game out of twenty—that's uh, you can't you can't sugarcoat that, mate. That's a shocking year, and it must have been a tough one for the guys there. I know they'll all worked really hard, but it's must be must be a bit of a bit of a tough pill to swallow looking at that league and knowing the year they've had. So yeah. Hopefully we see a much improved London Scottish next year and then hopefully not as negative towards them. But I, I feel like we've got to be honest on here and that's how I feel about it. 
No, and we uh, we love you for your honesty, Bully. Um, but surmising another, I think one of the most entertaining championship seasons I've been a part of, and that's been you know much more distant from it than I have been um, in previous years. Um, and now, of course, obviously everything lies on the uh, the success or failure of uh, Ealing Trail Finders um, promotion application. Gully, I'm going to dive off at this point, but I'm really excited to hear you tease out the nuts and bolts of that discussion with Ben Ward. It's been a pleasure back being back on. Everyone stay tuned for the second half of the Championship Clubs podcast. You're listening to the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, Wardy. Um, good to see you, mate. Um, you are our first second guest on the Championship Clubs podcast. Um, I think it's right that we've got you on after after the weekend's results and uh yeah just talk to us a little bit how the season's been and uh, your thoughts obviously from the weekend and how you're feeling at Ealing at the moment uh uh-huh. big question there um probably from the weekend more than anything um relief um that was probably the uh, the overriding feeling because i think for us in recent seasons we've been the underdog um, there's not been that pressure on and probably allowed us to play with a little bit more freedom. Um, the feeling at the weekend was a, mi- a, a mixture of that elation, extremely proud of what the club's achieved and where we've, where we've come from. Proud of the group of players because we've come through some tough times this year. Um, exuberation to actually win this league after being the bridesmaid for a few times and also knowing how tough this league is to win. Um, and then, yeah, a little bit of relief, really, because um, probably from a personal point of view, um, over the years, you make a lot of decisions. Um, you never know if they're always right. Um, and probably Saturday was a little bit of a justification for that for myself personally and also probably for the owner. So um, mixed feelings and probably in reflection as well. Just again, um, we often talk about how good a league this is and probably reflecting over the season, um, just how competitive it's been. Um I say there's relief there because we won it and that's because teams pushed us pretty hard. But also, um, I don't think we can be too hard on ourselves for our own performances. I think you've got to credit the other teams of how well they've played this year and put um, their stuff together. Yeah, I was, I was going to be going to touch on that because you haven't had it all your own way. You have gone in as, as red-hot favourites. We said it earlier on the pod, actually. And you've, um, you know, look at some of the results and, you know, Doncaster have got the better of you a couple of times and, and also the Bedford result came as a bit of a shock. So that, like you say, is a, a credit to the league, but also, I suppose, to your group of players, how they reacted to that. Yeah, look, we're, um, I'm, I'm sort of going through a process now of reviewing that, um, things that went well, things that didn't go so well, and we'll certainly reflect and try and um, improve. But yeah, there's been times this year where it's, it is a tough league and, you look back on the things that we could have done differently, some of the results that maybe we were fortunate to get and other results that you think you didn't get and we maybe that result could have swung our way. But no, it's a tough league. And I certainly think speaking to a few of our players, the, that having that favourites tag has made it. Um, you've almost got a price in your head every everywhere you go, um, every time you uh, play. And at times we've dealt with it very well. And at other times we've... Um, maybe um, especially when we've had to chase in games we've sort of gone within ourselves and that's certainly been um, a learning for myself as a coach as to how how I can make sure our players um, ensure we play with that freedom and express ourselves because I know that we're very good when we do that. 
Yeah, and I think as well, it's unusual. I'm just thinking about the championship for a championship club to be favourite is is a new thing, really. You've always got that Prem club in the league, and there's not many DORs in the league that would have gone in with a true championship club as, as a favourite tag. So, like you say, it's, it's new for you, but it's also quite new for the league. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that's been the strange thing this year. With um, it's, been, it's been a strange season because we haven't had a cup in the middle. We've had one less team, so it's, it's been quite stop-start. And I think, certainly for us as a club, I like to think we've got quite a big squad, so we like that rhythm of game after game after game. And we can probably cope with it, whereas some of the other sides, maybe that catches up with them or it affects them with injuries and other things. So... Um, it's been hard to keep the whole squad happy as we go into the cup competition shortly, but um, I certainly think it, it is completely unique for for this league um, as it is now. But I think it's also created some really good rivalries. And if you look, um, certainly the top four for us, um, we've probably cut, I think we've won three, lost three out of those top four games. Um, and I, th- I think they're brilliant games. I think, they're, again, this league is underestimated of how tough it is and how good some of these games really are. Yeah, and if we look at sort of the running, so the last, we spoke, we spoke to Bobby not long ago and you'd had your, you'd had your fallow week or your week off um, gearing towards the Pirates game. But if you just rewind a couple more weeks before that, that run into the season, I've, you know, I've been around the league, I sort of talk about the league, I've not known interest in it like that before as well. So that's you know, obviously really positive for the league. But from a Ealing perspective, how, how, how did you navigate that and, you know, and ultimately, how did you get success from it? Because you, you obviously won the league. Yeah, look, we went through that period of, I guess, um, I think losing to Bedford was the first time at home we've lost to a non-premiership side in about five years. Um, I think the last time was maybe Leeds in the playoffs, going back a fair few years ago in a, a, a playoff semi-final. Um, so... That really um, probably was a bit of a shock to us, um, but you can't take it away. I thought Bedford came and played some really good rugby and they were on the back of a really poor run. And maybe for them, again, that pressure was off and they just expressed themselves. And the, the, the problem with Bedford is when you let them express themselves, they're a, they're a bloody good size. <laughs> so um, we sort of uh, fell foul that day and then um, sort of we, we, to, um, we had Doncaster coming up and it was, um, again, it was... We'd just gone to Jersey and won, which was a tough game. And then we've got Doncaster at home. And for the first half, we gave away 11 penalties. We, I think we had four line outs and lost the ball within a phase within three of them. And we just couldn't get a foothold in the game. And again, that was credit to them, their game management. Um, they're very good at what they do. And Sam Olver controlled the game really well from 10. Um, second half, we came back into it, but we almost chased too hard. And when we got close... Um, Unfortunately, we gave an interception away. And at the end of that game, it, it, it was probably a lot of soul-searching. I think our guys were literally shocked and had we blown it. Um, but it was still within our own hands. Um, I think that's when, as coaches, we had to sit back and you have a, you, you have a strong um, look at, or a good old look at yourself. And then you speak to a few of the uh, senior players. And ultimately... We, we just went back to what we're known for, which I like to think is fast attacking rugby. Um, we went back to the basics. We make sure we've got a good scrum, a good set piece, um, and we'll be tough to beat then. And I think we went back to basics a little bit. And sometimes in this game, you can overcomplicate things. And um, 
I don't know whether it helped as well that when Pirates came to us, ultimately both of us, whoever won that game, had a home game the following week and would have been favourites to win the league. Now, the pressure's been on us all year, but suddenly the pressure was just as much on them to win that game. And I don't know if that played into it, that actually they actually had just as much pressure, whereas probably earlier in the season, we were the favourites. Yeah, and that that result was was a huge one for you, wasn't it? I managed to speak to a couple of the Pirates lads before that, and it was, you know, it was it was a shit or bust, basically, for, for both teams. It seemed that way from the outside. You know, it's easy for me to say that, but it's yeah. an opportunity for you. But... Um, it was a, it was a great result, and then sort of in the middle of all that, there's the news around sort of the promotion and you know the the the, the non-promotion bit. And it's I know it's difficult for you got you to talk too freely about it, but that must have that that was unsettling for I think the whole league and especially the guys towards the top of the league. And I'd just be interested to know how you, that would that have affected the group or, or you guys as coaches. It was. It was, it was a big story, and it still is a big story. Yeah, look, it was hard when it came out. And I think, um, as I say, there's, there's only certain things that I can say. I, I think there's a huge frustration about this whole process um, around it's almost like a catch-out process rather than a help-out that actually we're going to work with you to get where you need to get to. Um, we'd put in our, obviously, application um, towards the end of October, start of November, and then the first thing we hear back on that is 45 minutes before we're about to go out to training to tell us there's a press release going out um, within 45 minutes. Um, so it sort of left a decision as to do we tell the players yeah. before training? Um, if I don't tell them, the injured players are going to know during training and that could be awkward. So in the end, we trained and I told them at the end of the huddle and um, sort of just assured them, look, from our side, we're going to appeal it. We think we've done everything right. We think we've had good communication to start with about what our plan was. And we made that very clear and we had good reaction to that. And um, we will meet their requirements, but it may be over a stage process. So I felt that we'd, um, I was fairly confident with that, but fair play to our players. They just turned around and said, well, there is no appeal unless we win the league effectively. Yeah. So um, I don't know whether it galvanized us a little bit. It certainly was a, a negative when it happened. Um, it was, you're almost questioning yourself of all this money that's been invested and everything we've gone through um, as to actually, do they really want 14 teams in that league? Yeah. Um, and again, you see a lot of reports on that around, well, those regulations are there for a reason, but you can't expect sides in the championship with the crowds we're getting to go and build a 10,000 seater stadium without knowing that we're going up there. And that's probably been a, um, I mean, we've committed to it now, whatever happens, but it's um, it doesn't just happen overnight. And you obviously have to wait till the regulations come out to be able to know exactly where you need to get to. And that's another sort of issue with the whole process. And again, probably a frustration from us is even when we've both, both us and Doncaster have said that we were appealing. Mm. Um, and I'd honestly, I'd have liked to have seen someone reach out to us from those um, higher things, um, higher areas to say, well, okay, this is what you need to do by this period for us to engage in those conversations, but you just hear nothing. Um, and it's disappointing. Yeah, it must be hugely frustrating. And um, I'm just thinking, just from a recruitment's perspective for you as a, as a DOR and your squad and, and, and that side of it, it's, I mean, if the appeal was to go through, you've then quite late at prepping for a premiership 
season and then you know what and if it doesn't happen it's you know it's it's a really really tricky one for you you to manage the group of players alongside the club managing the appeal side of it it's 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 bloody hard work isn't it and it's it's with no real real guidance from it yeah Yeah, look um i'm look first and foremost we're we're, we're, we're probably in a very lucky situation with the owner that we've got that we're financially extremely secure. So yeah. there's been nothing around that. But again, for both us and Doncaster, being able to plan, and I'm sure for Bodes as well in terms of when he's talking to people, not knowing what league he's going to be in, there's a huge difference there and in terms of what funding. So um, we've been really fortunate that all of our players were prepared to commit. There's one that we've allowed to um, depart, but everybody else is committed to getting us into that um, league. Now we have lost a few guys from the outside that ultimately, because we don't know what league we're going to be in, they need a job for next year. And um, we can't guarantee them the sort of money they're talking about unless we are in the premiership. So there are guys that we've lost um, from that perspective, but there's also a number of guys that have committed to us on our journey, no matter um, what situation we're in. And for our part and our owner's part, whatever league we're in, that doesn't change anything about the stadium we're trying to build and all of that. Again, probably the most annoying thing is that um, I think post um, post the news coming out that us and Doncaster have failed, there's been some chat and to the championship clubs around potentially those regulations changing. And we saw some stuff in the press uh, where Bill Sweeney spoke about potentially it could be 5,000, which is the same as premiership football, which it doesn't make sense that it's any more than that um, if Premiership Football can do that and based on the crowds. But yeah, we're now stuck in a little bit of limbo as to, well, what size stadium are we going for? And when we're talking to council and things like that, it things yeah. can be a whole lot easier for us to get things through if they're less. But on the flip side, we've sort of now committed to the, the route that we're going and we're, and we're going to stick on that path, I guess. How's the, um, how's the sport been from the... From the rest of the clubs within the league since win- since winning it, because I've I heard on a great fine, but they've been they've been pretty supportive and fully behind behind the good team getting promoted. Is it has it been has it been nice on that front from the rest of the championship clubs? It's been really good. Um, I think um, probably we used to as a sort of DORs and we'd have sort of ref meets at Twickenham, and over the last two years, none of that's really happened. It's all stopped when uh, COVID happened. So. W- we probably don't get to meet up as often as we can. And obviously during COVID times, there was no sort of socialising in the bar afterwards and stuff like that. So um, after the Pirates game, it was nice to have um, a beer with Paves, um, have a catch up. And it's it's something that we've probably um, missed as coaches. Um, after we won the league, um, really nice to get loads of messages from the league. Um, the coaches at Donny sent messages as well. Um Again, it would have been no different the other way around. Um, ultimately, I, I think we want to support each other in that we want this league to be really successful and we, and we want there to be movement between the two. And for, for us to have a successful league, we need a, we need a strong Pirates. We need a Donny pushing. We need Ealing pushing every year. We need um, Jersey. Because again, part of this league is all different teams. Um, so many different models of how you can run a rugby club as well. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. Um, Bedford are one of the most exciting teams to play. Going to Ant Hill is a different challenge, and they've had a fantastic season. We were playing Richmond, and we're... I was worried to get about the Richmond game because it felt like um, everybody was assuming that we'd almost done it by beating Pirates. And 
if you look at Richmond's results, they've lost six or seven games by less than seven points. They're not far off being sort of a top half of the table side. And if we were slightly off, again, there, there were stories there where we've got Brighty used to put captain us and Ronnie McLean, 97 games for Ealing Trail Finders, playing his last ever game of rugby for Richmond. And um, is he going to score the party? Yeah. So yeah, I know Ronnie from way back when he was a he's a cough lad, you see. So yeah, um, there's been some good, like around the league, and you know the league really well, and the players within it. I think there's some some notable guys that are leaving it this year. Well, one in particular is like his buzz up at Cov, and I mean he's he's been a handful for a few years, hasn't he? And I just wonder, just just off off sort of healing a little bit, sort of your your thoughts on on some of the the players we've mentioned, Ronnie, who's who's retiring and. You know, who's kind of stood out a little bit for you around the league? Yeah, they, look, um, they get a contract at Ealing if you say that. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 look, it's, it's a fantastic league, isn't it? For um, I think there's, if you look at the Premiership now, there's, there's far too many players that just aren't playing. Um, I look at some of the guys that um, have been playing at Bedford this year, in particular with their link with Northampton. I think they've um, really developed. Every time Tom Litchfield plays in the centres, I think he's a fantastic young player. You mentioned um, Burrows. I think he's been one of the most consistent players over. Um, goodness knows, I've tried to bring him to Ealing a couple of times because I think he, um, I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think he was someone that, for me, I thought when he went to Newcastle, potentially would actually um, kick on in the Premiership. But he's he's come back down to the champ and still he's done it week in week out. Um, so I think they've been impressive. If you look at Doncaster, Sam Graham has been outstanding like all season um, as a leader, as a player. Um, Sam Olver, for me, every top, the two games that we played, um, Doncaster, I thought he controlled the game really well. Um, and he's been a really important player for them as well. You look at Pirates, they've got... Um, you often look at Pirates and you look at through the squad... Um, when they play and they play together, they're just a well-oiled unit. But again, you look at 10, Arwell Robson, I think it's given them some real direction. Um, I think for me, Schickling, you look at him, he's now playing for um, Exeter uh, most weeks at the start of the season. Um, this guy was tearing it up in our league as well. And um, Paves has done a, a brilliant job with him. I think people like James Kane have done really well for Richmond this year. Um, all, all through, there's... Charlie Beckett's led really well for Amtill and given them probably a bit of, um, I think, just that little bit of leadership that where they've got a fairly young group of players as well. So um, if you look through the league, there's stories all over the place and teams. Rich Lane's story is a brilliant one for someone that's performed so well. And um, it's brilliant to see him getting an opportunity now in the Premiership and showing what he can do. And it's almost been a seamless transition for him. Yeah, it's, 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 we, we talk on the group a little bit, the champ group, and, there's the guys they like your, your rich lanes and it they make the transition straight up and it's seamless and it's it's almost we it seems like weekly but nearly there's so many guys that do it so often it's it's almost not a story because it happens that often because the quality they've got and the experience they've got of playing it's it's um and it shows the value of the league and, and the quality of the rugby within it so yeah it's it's great to see those guys doing well if we look at sort of the next stages we'll of the appeal, we've mentioned it a little bit. Um, have you got a timeline on that, or is that is that something that you you sort of led led by? by yeah, the... look, we're we're expecting it to all be um, concluded by the end of April. So um, 
we'll be in a better position there. So it'll be probably um, during the cup competition that we'll find out. Um, I guess from a planning perspective, we're looking at um, we're looking at both options. Um, so how we plan pre-season and stuff like that, it, it shouldn't affect it too much. Um, and again, it's one that you're sort of um, you're sort of in the situation now of you feel like we deserve the opportunity and that's what sport's about. And I get the impression the premiership clubs feel we should have the opportunity as well. So it's, um, I think these things, you're hoping there's going to be change no matter what. If we're in the championship again um, next season, then for us, we'll have to, um, we'll embrace it. It's a fantastic league. Um, We enjoy being part of it. Um, There's been times at the moment where we're riding high in the league, but we've also been at the other end where we've been relegated and we've, um, uh, finished second from bottom as well. So we know both ends of this league and and how small the margins it is between the two. Um, if we're still in this league, then we're, we'll have the ambition to be the first side to win it back-to-back um, and hopefully then um, take our place there. But we also know that I expect Doncaster under Bodes to improve even further next year. Pirates aren't going to be um, going backwards and they've obviously hopefully secured some of their funding and their future for the next couple of years as well. Um, Jersey under Harvey are a fantastic side and they have that, um, I guess, that island that's always a challenge to go over to. We really enjoy going over there and it brings, um, again, it's unique about this league, but you've got all those other sides. Cov will start that that rebuild that they probably weren't able to do this year. And um, so I think it's, um, if we're still in this league, we we will certainly embrace it. Um, I just hope there's bigger conversations to be had around, like I said, if we're truly, if we truly want to grow the game and we truly want to take um, the premiership to 14 sides and who, who knows, it might be 16 in four, three, four years time as well. But if you look at what's happening in France and what they're doing with three professional leagues, um, there has to be um, some sort of movement on this, probably more than anything, this 10,000 criteria it, as I say, if you look at current premiership capacities, if you look at what's required to go play premiership football, we've hosted um, Super League rugby at our ground for a season with London Broncos. So I think if teams produce a plan and they show this is the this is how we're going to increase it, that should be supported. And I don't think we should be discouraging teams from investing money in the game, which I find kind of sad at the moment as to, as, as to the way it is. Mate, I think that's a, it's a pretty good summary of it all, to be honest, mate. And uh, we just touch, just line it up a little bit. Just touch on uh, the celebrations after Saturday. Obviously, like like massive, huge congratulations on winning it. You mentioned relief. Was it? Um, did the boys go hard? <laughs> yeah, look, um, the boys. Um, certainly, I know they went uh, day one, day two. Whether there was a day three, I'm sure for some of them there uh, was, and uh, for others maybe not. But no, look. Um, they deserved all those celebrations. They had some good fun in the change rooms. Friends and families were present. Um, it felt like a bit of an old school rugby club on Saturday night again, which again, during the COVID times, we haven't had a little bit. And as I say, it was waking up Sunday morning and just being a little bit, um, you're feeling like crap pretty much, but you're there going, right, we've done it now. There's no, there's not that pressure now on uh, a performance this following week and reviewing the game and stuff like that. And as I say, the boys went out again on the Sunday. A few of the staff went out again on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, for me, it was uh, back home a little bit with the family and um, uh, yeah. to spend a bit of time there. And I've probably not been the nicest person to be around for the last couple of months. Um, 
So it's, yeah, it's, it's a huge relief. But there's also, um, as those couple of days have sunk in as well, there's also um, a huge amount of pride, as I say, to be part of this league, to have achieved what we've done. Um, the last league we won, well, I've been quite fortunate coming up the league because we've ended up winning a lot of league titles coming from London too. So some of the guys have been um, who used to play for us have been a little bit spoiled because it's um, it was the norm. When you get to that professional end of the game, there's so many players and brilliant players that we've just mentioned a few just a minute ago that probably go through their careers without winning anything. And again, we've been really fortunate with some cup wins over the last couple of years. Um, the last league win we had was London, uh, sorry, National One in 2014-15, I think it was. Um, so again, you never know if you're going to get a chance to do it again. And it may never happen. So you've got to enjoy it while it um, enjoy it while it lasts. And as I say, um, nowadays with all social media and the sort of uh, photography that goes on, um, luckily there'll be a lot of memories for hopefully for the rest of our lives. Mate, just fantastic. And yeah, congratulations again, mate. And thanks for coming on for the second time. Good luck with the appeal. Um, and then hopefully uh, we get some positive results to, at the end of April. Thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. That was the Championship Clubs podcast. Be sure to come back in a fortnight's time and follow us on social media at Champ Clubs Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The Championship Clubs podcast is brought to you in association with media partner Novus Marketing Solutions. Check them out at novusmarketingsolutions.com.